Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Paul Norton podcast. Now, today's podcast is a really, really special podcast. Um, I'm joined with a guy from Ireland who has been on an absolute incredible journey from his own weight loss to cancer survival and just his whole mindset of how he started out and where he is now it's it was absolutely amazing to have him on the podcast and the topics we discussed it will give you so much insight so you'll find this guy on instagram by the name of steve's weight loss and i hope you enjoy this podcast as much as i did i guess before i get started obviously it's fantastic i had like chat to you because i've been following you for a long time but i guess for anyone that doesn't really know um who you are and i suppose um about your journey it'd be quite good if you could you know just give us a little intro on you and kind of how far you've come and what you've achieved i guess cool yeah um so i suppose um i always hate you on these things because i always feel like you're trying to sell yourself um (laughs) I'm okay. Look, as I'm, I'm 29. When I was 20 years of age, I was diagnosed with testicular cancer. Um, it was something that I was unlucky to get, but I was fortuitous in the sense that I, I got a very, um, I got it very, very early, yeah. and I, I only required relatively minor surgery. I didn't require further on chemo, although I was kept under observation because the type of cancer was very rapid growing for about seven years. So about two years ago, I got the all clear. I was no more at risk than anybody else. Um, in that time, I joined the guards, the, the Irish police. Um, and whilst I was extremely fit prior to joining, obviously my life changed quite significantly when I did join the guards. Um, habits and routines completely went out the window. And I began to gain a lot of weight. And then in August 2018, so a little over two years ago, I topped the scales at about 156 kilos. Um, I think that's 24 and a half or near 25 stone. Yeah. And when I was on a holiday with uh, the family and the girlfriend over in Lanzarote, just there was a picture taken of me beside the pool uh, in a T-shirt. And I just hated it. I, I seen it and it was the first time I kind of proper looked at myself and went, oh, shit, you're very overweight. Um, I was just spinning out of it, and I knew I had to change something. So I got in contact with an old mate of mine, Paul Dermody, who is a he's a PT. And I knew Paul was, I wouldn't say specializing, he wouldn't like if I said specialized in weight loss clients, but he had a lot of very successful weight loss clients. And yeah. I just I reached out, and I was lucky to have somebody like Paul who knew that I clearly... I clearly wanted help. I was clearly trying to throw some sort of olive branch out. And I think it was a week later, the 7th of September, we, we got cracking. And yeah, we, we worked together officially for four months. But we were, because we were good mates prior to that anyways, we were in constant contact pretty much. And we have been for the guts of two years, even though he's he's on the other side of the world now. Yeah, because as I was saying before, like, um, you know, I don't know how it came across your page, but... You know, you've um, you definitely inspired me to just with even my clients. But as we we're talking before, it's, um, it's hard to find someone that has gone through you know such a, a normal journey, but also explain it in a normal way because there's so much um, 
airy fairy stuff online that it's hard to it's hard to see you know especially for your journey like from having cancer to even that weight loss journey it's um it's hard to get that across isn't it like nowadays in social media yeah i think like one of the most important things people i suppose can do for themselves is like filter their feeds um it was something i never really thought about and i remember paul mentioned to me very early on and I did it and it really did change my feed because like I was saying to you earlier, like I was one of those people that would have had loads of bodybuilders and loads of like ripped fucking demigod people just on my feed the whole time. And I think now I have like three that I enjoy, actually enjoy following because they're funny or they're yeah. smart or they're, they have good training things up. But like it can be really hard to see through the bullshit sometimes. And like I'm not saying a lot of the time, but there are people on the internet that want to sell you something and they will be lean and ripped and they will say that it's down to this. You know, they say that it's down to this magic product. Yeah. And you know, people like you know, desperate will, will, will be fast. And they look at this and they say, well, that's what I want to look like. And sure. Jesus pal there says that this is how he did it. So it must be true. It's like, yeah, my mum went through the same. My mum, um, she went through the airy fairy stuff too with the, you know, the fat loss pills and the, all the stuff like, and, you know, it's, it's, it's even as bad. Like I was in the pharmacy last week there and, um, you know, there was a whole section on labeled, you know, fat loss pills, um, take the strain out of gymming five hours a day and all this kind of stuff. And it's, it's even bad like that even nowadays like that stuff is still being pushed out quite hard but for you like your journey it's it's there's no quick fix like there's no from where you are now like it didn't happen overnight is takes hard work and it just takes dedication doesn't it yeah and i mean i've been there i tried shakes i tried it it lasted like three four days i, I spent like 100 euro 120 euro on what was meant to be like two months worth of shakes and it was just a total shit show. Like, I, I couldn't. I, I think after three days, I started getting headaches. Because bear in mind, it was 24 and a half stone. Like, I was a, I was a big machine to be moving around. And I would think, I think the shakes came in at like 900 calories a day. Jeepers. Like, my body was just shutting down. It wasn't able. And I was shaking and headaches. And yeah, it just wasn't good. And it, it actually does bother me to see things like that in a pharmacy. Because... I genuinely don't think it's the best way to go about it. It might be fast, and don't get me wrong. Yes, you 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 lose weight if you stick to it, but I I don't think it's healthy, and I don't think there's a long enough, I suppose, existence of these things. Like, do you remember those? There was a particular one of them, and I can't remember what it was called, but it, it just burst onto the scene, and guys particularly were drinking them, and it was eating away at was it um, heart tissue or something? I mean, it's a, and it's even this day and age, like they're still trying to. They're still trying to push out these these things, but suppose how did you go about your journey? What was your what was your um your journey like from from when you were that way to now? Like what have you gone through? Yeah, so it just started off with learning about calories. Like I didn't really I didn't really know anything about them. Um, so Paul just had me log things in my fitness pal, um, and for about three or four weeks, I just looked like an idiot going around scanning everything to see what they were like. You know, it was easy to somebody who didn't comprehend calories but maybe understood like the financial budget, you know? Um, and it was the equivalent of saving money, you know, and saving calories at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, it was, the training was very simple at first. I mean, I was, I, I was 
just totally sedentary uh, when I started with Paul I wasn't really doing anything um, I'd come home sit on the couch not move for hours and when we started it was just a case of hit my 10,000 steps a day and he did send me some gym stuff to do but like he said I could walk around in the gym for an hour holding two 10 kg dumbbells and it was still going to be more than I was doing at first yes um, so you know I think like you were saying, I think social media, the media in general, I mean, you see all the magazines, they overcomplicate the fuck out of it. Um, I think, I don't know, I did it as well. You know, I used to look at, you know, bodybuilding.com and muscle and fitness and all these and these real complicated training systems and like German volume training days and stuff. And I do them are like hit sessions and hits fine if you're into it. But when I was 25 stone or touching on 25 stone, that shit was difficult and not like, not like the good kind of testing difficult. I mean, like this was physically tough. It was hurting me and I wouldn't want to do it again. Whereas this way I found, uh, and it's something I always try to not maybe push on people, but encourage people to do is to find a type of training that they enjoy. Yes. Because if you enjoy it, you'll stick to it. Whereas for me, like 24 and a half, 25 stone, I was doing burpees. I fucking hated it. Whereas like now I'm, going to the gym and I was doing push pull legs for a while. Now I'm kind of doing specific days that Paul sent me and I'm enjoying it. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I'm looking forward to the next set and the next reps. Um, and there's no, I suppose, oh, I suppose gray cloud hanging over me thinking about doing it. It's motivation, isn't it? I always, um, one thing I've learned, like we're doing all these, my own trainers like that, like people expect you, they expect the trainer to motivate them or they expect to do this, but like motivation initially is, is just liking something. So like if you're not motivated to go to the gym, well then you need to kind of make something that works for you. And big thing for me is like steps, like steps for my clients has been like, even for me, my, own, my mental health, like go, going for walks, like getting 10,000 steps a day, it, it can be far more beneficial than going to the gym. Like if you're overweight, you don't like going to the gym. There's no reason why you can't probably go for walks because everyone loves walking. But again, there's not enough. People try to overcomplicate how to do stuff like they try to give you diet plans and they try to give you a push-pull, you know, German split. Whereas for me and my guys, is like keeping things simple, like going for walks, listening to podcasts and just keeping the food like simple. Have ice cream, have chocolate, you know, have what works for you. But a lot of people like try go cold turkey to try do all the fad diets to try do the six day split in the gym and it just end up failing, burning out. Yeah, and I, I've done that kind of thing where I've I've cut things out completely. I've cut out chocolates and dairies and breads because you know that was the done thing. But this time around, and I think it came with, I suppose, a knowledge of calories or a basic knowledge of calories that I could have a Kinder Bueno and I could have a little bit of ice cream or I could have white bread, and it wasn't a million calories and it wasn't going to set me back 10 steps you know yeah and when it came to walking i think it's the most underestimated or undervalued aspect of it i really do and like for a whole load of reasons i mean it's not just the fact that you're getting out and you're going walking i mean that's great the, the physical effect of that is great too getting your steps it's the fresh air it's the you time it's the fucking the fact that you can kill a little bit of dead time and get a podcast or an audiobook and you can get some fucking cheesy tunes if you want. <laughs> but I think I, I, the thing I love about it is like for me, I used to bore to meet. So I'd sit on the couch and next thing I'd just be eating loads and not really realizing it or 
like I wasn't really doing anything productive. I, I was watching shit TV and eating shit food, whereas this killed a bit of that time for me. So it filled up the gap. So I wasn't, I suppose, consciously avoiding the food. I was very conscious about going for the walk. And what I was doing was I was out walking. Yes. But I didn't have a bis- I didn't have a biscuit tin beside me whilst I was out walking. So it made that bit a lot easier. I think for me, um, lately I've been saying to my clients, like I think a lot of stuff should be brought, you know, like you look at back with Irish, the school system, like, you know, back when I was in school, you know, we d- we learned about, you know, Henry III and about dragons and even like business studies, but there was no really mention on like basic life skills or I was never taught like what a calorie is, what a macro was, like what protein is. I was never taught how to deal with weight loss, with weight gain, with like stress, with motivation. And, and for me, like that stuff should be brought, like it shouldn't take, like it took me like 27 years to realize what I, a calorie was and what a protein was and like that stuff to me like probably should be brought back at an earlier school age like if you could teach the kids what a calorie is you know it'd make a lot of, a lot of difference in, in the healthcare I'd say yeah I agree with you I think the school systems have a lot to answer for for a whole load of things like I mean not just fitness but I mean like tax like you know paying tax and what the different tax brackets are different types yeah. of, like I knew nothing about these things when I left school I knew nothing about uh, banks or mortgages or you know any of these things that you're going to be dealing with day to day but I knew how to fucking find x on a graph yeah like I haven't seen that now I know somebody will probably say that whether well, you actually use this day by day to day without realizing it but like like there were so many real life things that school just doesn't teach you. and like you were saying fitness is one of them we were taught the food pyramid and that I'd say that's changed two or three times since I was in school mm. like Calories are still calories, protein is still protein, but the food pyramid has changed. It's crazy, like as you said, like weight loss. There's no, there's no quick fix, no answer. It's all about calories. And I guess, how did you find tracking calories? You've like, there's there's always a big controversial that you know tracking calories is obsessive. But then, to me, like I'd say, well, then if tracking calories is obsessive, then why would you track your bank balance and why would you, you know? So I think like. With tracking calories, people don't value their health enough to, to want to do it. But when it comes to going to on holidays or going for a beer, people will always find a way to track their savings to, to go spend money on beer. But when it comes to calorie tracking, it seems to be this massive big gray area that it's obsessive to track your calories. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I get it. No, I don't. I took to it like a duck to water. I, I enjoy it. I'm relatively disciplined and stubborn and kind of, kind of hard-willed when I want to be so tracking calories kind of suited me down to the ground plus I'm one of those people that just likes to know things um I'm a horrible wine merchant I say I broke Paul's heart wrecked his head just asking him why the whole time he maintains it was a good thing but I'd say at the time he was like will this lad ever fuck off (laughs) but for me like you said um I think tracking calories is a tool to get I mean if I have a nail and I probably do it I can use a hammer too a hammer is going to be more effective yes I could probably eyeball food I could probably take rough guesses at it now with you know relatively good accuracy that would be the rock I could also use my fitness pal which would be the hammer and smash the nail and you know first time like it is just a tool at the end of the day. Like that's all apps are. It's the same thing with Strava. I mean, I can run without putting it on Strava. 
but Strava helps me, you know, with times and distances and things like that. My fitness pal does the exact same thing. Like, I mean, I've had eye-opening moments with my fitness pal. Um, and it's, it's helped me find, I suppose, maybe better calorie swaps for foods that I wouldn't have thought of before. Um, so yeah, like, and the only reason I can eyeball food now and have a pretty good intuitive idea is, is because I, I spent, well, like two years putting everything into my fitness pal. It's consistent, isn't it? Again, that comes down to being confident that you're confident now with your food from being consistent. And I guess then when you had, when you had got like, when you were told you had cancer, then was it long after that when you kind of decided that this is you going to change or was that? before that process where you didn't feel that good? Uh, well, when I was 20, I was playing rugby. I was playing rugby to a decent standard, you know, so I was quite fit. I was playing football. Um, I think people have, not always, but people sometimes think that, you know, there has to be something maybe wrong when you get cancer. Maybe you're old or you're very unhealthy. I mean, you hear all these things, bacon causes cancer and this causes cancer. And like, I was, I was healthy. I really was. And then this hit, you know, um, I suppose it changed my mindset and my outlook on life more so than it changed me physically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that at 20, I grew up significantly as a result of, of that. Um, and it also changed, I suppose, what I valued. I, I don't particularly care. And I've said this a hundred million times about you know the match at the weekend i'll still watch it and every now and again i'll get a bit pissy if they lose but at the time you know i was sitting there i think it was a tuesday or wednesday when i was told i had cancer and all of a sudden i didn't care about the match last weekend or next weekend i didn't care about college that was coming up in a couple of weeks you know all those kind of shorter term things just didn't matter to me i cared about family i mean one of my first thoughts was about mortality and dying so all of a sudden you know, my core values changed really swiftly. Um, and I stayed relatively fit after, uh, but then when I joined the guards, like I said, it was just a shock. That, that's right. That's, I suppose that's where I followed you because you're always putting up like, inspirational stuff on your Facebook and Instagram there. But I guess when did everything, when did it start, like, when did it start attracting, like, people? Like, when did you start to realize that your journey is like, shit, this is helping people? Um, I suppose kind of before it even started because um, I used to send Paul just big massive long spiels on, on WhatsApp and he's like you have to put these somewhere you know it's it's relatable so somebody could connect to this and, and change their own lives you know um, so initially the, the page went up uh, with the idea of it being relatively anonymous uh, nobody really ever called me Steve I was always Stephen Yes. And uh, Paul was like, God, oh, they never figured it out. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's cunning. It's fucking brilliant. Um, but I suppose after a couple of months, like I said to you earlier, like followers and, and likes and stuff like that, I mean, as a metric, as a numerical metric, doesn't really mean anything to me. Um, I, I appreciate everybody and I appreciate messages and likes and everything like that. But if I had one person follow me, and they took something from something I wrote every now and again, then it's worth it. I mean, like I said, the only reason I set it up was, I suppose, personal accountability to an extent. And then in the hopes that, you know, somebody would see, like I was in a really shit position in the sense that I was extremely overweight and I knew very little about training or nutrition. And in the hopes that somebody would be able to see that 
and go, well, Jesus, that fella can do it. That fella is willing to, to put in the work and be patient and get results out of it. Then why can't I? Um, so it was a couple of months, I guess. I suppose initially I lost quite a bit of weight very fast. I think in the first, oof, I want to say nine months, I lost about 90 or 100 pounds. Jeepers. Um, so I think it, it, it gained a little bit of traction that way, I suppose. But I guess it, it's all, it's all, it all links up to like, you know, especially from, you know, cancer to to losing that weight. Because it's not like I've got clients there, you know, even losing 10 kg is a big number. To, to 50 kg is, is quite, it's a big one to be fair. And I suppose the hard one, not that it's hard, but the biggest thing is, is maintaining, isn't it? Like it's, it comes off. But as you were saying before, like it's, it's maintaining is the kind of the tricky part. How do you find maintaining it? What's your go-to or what, what do you struggle with maintaining it? Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think when people go to lose weight, they have this idea in their head that, you know, they want to fit into a dress or jeans or a certain thing. And once they get to that, it's actually quite hard to, because, you know, that, that, that goal that was in their head, that was very clear. They've got it. So like what they aim at now. That's why I think it's always a good idea to have, I suppose, moving goalposts that you're always trying to, to hit, you know. And I suppose when it comes to the actual number on the weight, it's fairly subjective. I mean, I've had people message me and they say, I want to lose a hundred pounds too. I'm like, yeah, well, why? What weight are you? And they're like, well, yeah. I'm X weight. And I'm like, Jesus, a hundred pounds for you is a lot of weight. Whereas like a hundred pounds for me took me from 24 and a half to 16 and a half stone, I think. Uh, my maths could be wrong there, but something like that. Um, so, I mean, it's it's very person dependent. But for me, like I struggled a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. But I, I changed my training to the same time. So I kind of did that to myself. Myself. Um, but recently, I, I've reined that back in. Um, got back to I suppose the lowest scale weight I ever had. Um, and I suppose I've got very clear goals in my head as to where I want to go and I've just developed this this discipline more than motivation to get it done I guess um, like at the minute I, I look at it very very simply as this is where I am this is where I want to go and I'm the only person that can control what's in between and it's up to me what I do in that time but that'll have a direct result uh, as to where I go I think that's that's a great point. A lot of people, um, a lot of people, they don't have strong enough. Like they want to lose weight. You know, I see around in Bondi here is, it's this whole. You know, I see on Instagram now is the beach body, and people, people want to lose weight, have a beach body, but it's not a good value. Like it's not. You need to have a good value to do anything. Like especially if you're trying to lose weight, and I'm really big on my client is like there's no point. Like I won't take on anyone that wants to lose weight because they want to look good for you know the boyfriend or for the or for the, the you know the beach like i'll only take on someone if they have good values like they want to lose weight to change their life or don't lose weight for their family and i think a lot of people don't really have them high enough values to one lose weight but also you know keep the weight off because it's it's um it's a, it's a long game isn't it like it doesn't happen overnight like it takes like it took me i was 116 about two years ago and I'm back down at like 86 now, but that took, that took two years of, you know, it's not, it's not an easy, you know yourself, it's not easy to, 
to to get down there but you have to as you say have good values and also keep moving the goalposts yeah they're not straight line journeys i mean these these things aren't linear i mean it goes up and down it's like a mountain range you know like you're going to have high points you're going to have low points it's, it's going to happen but how you deal with the low points i suppose dictates where the rest of your journey goes because if you go back to old habits the first time you have a loss you're never going to get there i mean something i learned pretty early on in this was that and I, it was something i heard since i was a kid but you learn more in losses than you do with wins but only if you're willing to uh, i think it's like a part that was always left out of that because if you want to take a loss and go back to old habits you will but if you take a loss or a perceived failure and you sit down and you look at it and you go, okay, why did it fail? What didn't go right? And how can I improve it? Or how can I make sure this doesn't happen again? Then you want to take something from it. But I think, yeah, you were saying they're like about goals and stuff. I think everybody's goals can be different. I mean, one of the one of my favorite audio clips, it's Aaron Schwarzenegger talking years ago. And he says, you know, it doesn't really matter what your goal is. As long as you have a goal, because he goes, you can't just say, I want to lose weight. Yes. Because that's not specific. You know, I, I could lose a pound. Technically, I've lost weight. Do you know, but do you want to lose a pound or do you want to lose 50 pounds or 100 pounds? Like you were saying there about beach bodies, I think Schwarzenegger says it in that thing. He goes, as long as you have a goal, he goes, it could be as stupid as you want. He goes, it could be, I want to look good to impress girls or I want to look good to impress somebody. Then go for it. But as you're going, you have no idea what's going to change. Like my initial goal was just to be able to buy a t-shirt in Elveries. I just yes. want to be able to walk into the sports shop and buy a t-shirt. Do you know? I couldn't do that when I was 3XL. Then as the journey went on, I said, geez, I wonder, can I, you know, better this or could I get better lifts or could I start running? Could I run a half marathon? Could I run a 30K? And like, it just changed. The whole time it was always evolving. And I think that was important for me because I didn't get stagnant until I got injured. Um, that's the only time I got stagnant and gained a little bit of weight. But uh, like I said, it's always, it's important just to have like rolling goals, want to improve. Because like, I know people are going to say, well, I'm living my best life, but there's always ways to improve, whether it's physically or intellectually or in terms of, you know, emotions or anything. There's always something you can do to improve. Thing is like, um, it's like COVID, isn't it? Like um, a lot of people, so much people focus on what they can do, but they never focus what they can do. And like I tell my clients there, yeah, although lockdown has happened, you know, people at home, like, they just focus what they can't do. Like they can't go to the pub and get pissed and they can't go to the restaurant and they can't, you know, go to the gym and they can't go to the thing, but they never focus on what they can do. Like, you know, you know, they can still go for walks. They can still have good nutrition. They can still learn. There's so much that we can do, but I think a lot of people always go for what they can't do. But if they were like, same as weight loss, you know, I can't do this because such, such, or I can't, but they never focus on like what they can do. You know, like I can lose 10 kg or, I can get a shirt and reason. I think a lot of people just miss that basic, that basic life skill of changing the mindset from like, can't, they can't. Yeah, no, totally. And I, it, it really was something that changed early for me. It's, you know, I, I was a real, I can't merchant. You know, I, I was always told I couldn't run. I was always told that like, since I was a kid, I was too big to run. Cause like I'm six foot four, and I've been over six foot since I was in my, I'd say, early mid-teens. Like, I was big, but I was always the full forward, you know. Stay in there, we'll throw it in long to you, don't run too far. Yes. And as I kind of went through this, I went, well, why can't I run? 
you know, it wasn't a, I can't, it's why couldn't I? Um, but you're, you're so right there about the COVID. And I was only chatting to somebody about this last night. Like initially when the first lockdown came in here, I was injured. I was just coming back from a small surgery and I had used the surgery to an extent. No, I suppose technically, physically, I couldn't really do anything either. I, I was told specifically not to walk um, because it was, it was like vascular. So I, I couldn't put too much pressure on it. And then COVID came in and I used it as the biggest excuse ever. Yeah. Like ever. I, I didn't eat fucking well. I, I didn't train. I didn't walk. I didn't do anything. Whereas, you know, I gained, I think I gained, I went up to about 122 kilos, which was about 12 or 14 kgs of a gain. And when the gyms reopened, got really into it, lost a bit of weight again, got in pretty good shape. And then lockdown 2.0 came. And Whereas the first time around, I was a bit bummed and I was like, fuck, I can't do anything now. What do I do? Da, 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 I don't have any gear at home. I went on Amazon and uh, I just threw in resistance bands. And it took me ages now. It took me like a couple of hours to find good, proper ones that I thought, yeah, that actually looks the part. And they came less than a week later. There's six or seven bands, different variations of, of resistance. And I mean, I can do curls, I can do triceps, I can do shoulders, I can do squats, I can do rows. I mean, like the first time around, I used COVID as an excuse. Yeah. The second time around, I actually saw COVID for what it was, the lockdown, I suppose, of COVID as it was, and went around it to do the best I could. Because effectively, this is only meant to be six weeks, could be eight weeks, I don't know. But like somebody messaged me last night then going oh yeah but bands just aren't the same i'm like yeah i'm aware they're not the same it's not 200 kilos of a deadlift but i mean it's significantly better than sitting on my arse on the couch eating coconut creams yes um and like i can still go for walks and there's no reason COVID has absolutely zero impact on the food in my kitchen no you know so i mean the first time around was totally excuse poor me this is shit you know whereas second time around just wasn't happening. I just wasn't going to happen twice. So there's always a way, you know, you can go for your steps. You can do the push-ups. I can't do hundreds of push-ups a day. I fucking hate them, but I'm doing them in like 10 or 15, 20 intervals, you know, so I'll do 20 and then I'll just go around and do something. I'll just drop again and do another 20. I mean, where there's a will, there's a way. If you want to find a way, you'll do it. If you want to find an excuse, you'll do that too. Yeah. I think mean, that's what people don't realize is, um, there's people don't realize that you can do so much without, the gym is good, but, it's not a necessity like you don't you know if i've got a client who's 45 four kids you know she's 120 kg the last thing she wants to do is go to a, a gym a busy gym at five o'clock in the evening time you know where she's uncomfortable and again i didn't learn about steps until like three years ago i was like geez why didn't no one tell me how important that steps are and how like effective steps can be on someone like getting their knee up and that's that was to me was mind baffling i was always under the pressure that you have to be in the gym lifting weights you know bursting your arse off whereas i can get people to go for a ten thousand steps you know listen to a podcast learn stuff and make them lose weight and he that to me was like mind boggling yeah i mean it's it's so simple but like i was always you know like i was told very early on in this journey like what are you doing you have to you have to sprint to lose weight, you have to sprint. Mm. I was like, what? I was 24 and a half stone. Sprinting was not really an option. Like, I would have absolutely banjaxed my knees and my ankles and my hips 
if I had gone and done that every day, and like I said to you earlier about sustainability, I wasn't going to keep doing it. Like, no way would I have enjoyed sprinting then, or fucking now, for that matter of fact, to that level, you know, that I, I keep going back doing it every single day. Like, it just wouldn't have been a thing. So, like, I think a lot of people just, like I said to you earlier, they overthink it. They overthink the shit. Like, it's it, it's a pretty basic concept. I mean, I think um, Martin McDonald, I don't know if you follow him, said it the other day. It's like, weight loss is simple that doesn't mean it's easy yes but the the general concepts behind it are relatively simple and now there's obviously a lot of other factors in play you know that don't make it quite as easy but you know it doesn't have to be this super complex chicken and broccoli to the exact gram you know i think i think a lot of people in their general day-to-day lives could make a lot of little improvements that go a long way over the course of like a year two years you know, if it's only 1% better every week over the course of a year, you're 50% better. Yeah, that's, and that's why I, I preach that massive is like 1%. It's all to do with portion. Like, it's isn't that like, a lot of my, I like everyone's not going to want to count calories do the same, but like, it's all about how you just like manage your food and portion size. And um, you know, when you see people's portion size, it's crazy like how much we kind of overconsume, even me, like before. I started tracking calories. Like when I was at 116 last year of playing rugby in New Zealand, like my bowl was absolutely humongous. Like it was crazy. But then once I started tracking calories, like, you know, I'm having like third of the less food. And it's, it's crazy like how tracking calories can be so efficient and so effective, but also like saving food, saving money. And it's also good to know what you can and can't have. Like if I track my calories, I can have ice cream or you can have that bar of chocolate you have the coconut creams but at least you know what you kind of have in you it's like getting paid isn't it if you didn't know how much you're going to get paid each week you'd be kind of guessing yeah you're totally right like i was the same i was consuming like a crazy amount of calories and i hadn't a clue like i really didn't because i remember initially paul goes just write down what you'd eat on like a normal couple of days of work and i did that and i sent it to him he goes do you drink anything all day i was like well yeah i'd have a few coffees and i, I might have a coke here or there and I did that, and I was coming in at like 1,200 liquid calories a day between, you know, silly cappuccinos that had toffee syrup and special yes. milks and bullshit in them. And I was like, oh, my God. When I saw it on paper, I went, what the fuck? Like, I was eating. i come into work on an early shift. I'd have, you know, jam bonds and a breakfast roll, and then I'd have a lunch carvery. I'd probably have a fucking snack at some point. And then I'd go home and have a dinner anyways. Yeah. Like I was eating a huge amount of calories and it just wasn't dawning on me at all. Whereas, like you said, this, this just kind of made me aware and I, it didn't mean that I was hungry. It just made me significantly smarter where I used my calories. Like I upped my protein, I upped my veg. Like I literally, anything I eat now, I just have like a bowl of veg beside me and I eat that too. Um, it just, I think it kind of makes you more aware. And once you're aware of these things, you can actually act on them. Yeah, because I was talking to a client today and um, it's about the same thing. Like, and I think, you know, when you, you know, when you, you get hungry, like you're not, you can't actually starve to death. Like, you know, if we were to stop eating food, it'd take us probably, you know, a couple of months before you actually starve to death. And um, when you get hungry, like it's only them hormones going to your brain that you're hungry. Like, but, um, you know, if you, a lot of times in my clients is if they start to get hungry, I get them to have a chewing gum. Because I had a girl today, like, and she just had a smoothie for breakfast. And an hour later, she said she was hungry. And I just got her to have chewing gum. And within 10 minutes, she wasn't hungry anymore. Because a lot of people confuse, you know, when they get hunger, 
this hunger feeling to feel like they have to start eating food. Whereas now, like in my clients, I can get them to, when they get hungry, have a chewing gum or have something to just, you know, let the body think that's, that's eating food and then it goes away then. But if you feel like you're hungry, as you were saying, you'll keep eating and eating and eating. Yeah, like I, I, I'm not going to ever profess to be a PT or a nutritionalist or any of those things. And I don't really know a whole lot about the physiological effects of food and stuff. But I am a total diva. Like, do you know that Snickers ad where it's like, you knock yourself when you're hungry? I'm fucking brutal. Like, if I get hungry, but like to, to the, like a proper level of hungry where I'm like, you know, almost touching on getting a headache. Yes. I'm an absolute disaster because sometimes and occasionally will happen with work where, you know, I was due to have lunch at 12, but something happens, you get called somewhere and next thing it's two o'clock and you're like, fucking hell. I always have a protein bar in the car. Yes. Always. Yeah. Because it just tides me over, and I know people are like, "Oh, it's just a, it's just a fucking fancy looking chocolate bar." Yeah, okay, it is to an extent, and yes, it can be fucking loaded with sugar and stuff, but the protein will help carry me over. And I suppose, like you were saying about the client there that had the smoothie, like I think some people will have—I'm not saying she does or he does—but like a lot of people will have perceived notions of what diets are. Yeah. Like I, I didn't particularly want a diet. I, I didn't want a twelve-week or six-week or an eight-week diet. I wanted to change my diet to fit my lifestyle. Like I already had one. It was just shit. Yes. Like I filled it with bad foods and I didn't eat very well. And the diet as a whole was crap. A diet is just a part of my lifestyle. I didn't want to totally encompass it and consume it. But like one of the things, I mean, particularly lately, because I suppose I'm considering or I'm concentrating a little bit more on maybe aesthetic improvements or muscles and stuff lately. And it's, it, that intrigues the living bejesus on me, muscle movement and how they move and how they connect intrigues me. Yeah. But I've increased my protein quite a bit. Like I, I, I've just noticed, and as a byproduct of that, I'm not very hungry. Yeah. Like I tend to have protein for breakfast if I can. I tend to have, actually, I'll have protein at pretty much every meal. Although every now and again, I do just have a veggie meal. Um, I take notions and just have a vegetarian dinner or something. But, you know, I'll try and have eggs and chicken for breakfast if I can or steak and, you know, as much chicken as I can really for lunch. And it just ties me over because I suppose for me, I'd be wary of getting caught, um, caught hungry with bad options available to me. So, like, it would have been a thing at work where at four in the morning if I wasn't prepared and I didn't have, like, a a high-protein yogurt or my prepped food with me, like, my only options are going to be McDonald's with a vending machine. You know, and neither are particularly going to be great. They're not going to kill me, but they're, you know, it's not something I'd want to be doing consistently. Just, uh, it's just like if you're, as I to my client, if you're going to go on holiday, like you know, you're going to plan your trip. You're going to make sure you have money in the bank for your holiday. You're not going to get stuck out in Barbados, like. And I think when it comes to, you know, your journey and anyone's journey, is that you need to be able to plan ahead, like and ter- like even for me, planning is vital. You know, you say have a protein bar in the car, have a backup plan there in case it goes to shit. Because if you didn't have a protein bar, well, most likely you go to, you know, soup value or really, you know, the stahoy and get like a, probably a jumbo breakfast all, you know, but at least you have that protein bar in the car. You're prepared like for that outcome. Whereas a lot of people don't read, don't even get that far. They, they find themselves so hungry that they just end up blowing out on a chicken filler all. It's probably, you know, a couple of thousand calories. Yeah, I mean, there, there's three things to take from that. I mean, firstly, there's no reason to be hungry. 
when you're trying to lose weight. Absolutely none. I mean, I'm seldom hungry, hungry, you know, where I'm to that point of being the diva um, because I'm relatively good at managing my food over the course of a day. You know, and I, it took me fucking ages. Don't get me wrong. It took me an age to work it out perfectly how to eat around the shift. Um, but there's that. There's the concept that, you know, you can control the controllables. Like, and you can control what you can and don't worry about what you can't. But you can control what you bring to work with you. You can control what you eat at work. You can control what you drink at work. You control, you know, what you eat in the evening time when you're watching TV. So control it. There's no reason you can't. And there's the concept of what gets measured gets managed. I mean, yes. the last two, they, they've been two big things for me. When people ask me why I track calories, that's exactly what I tell them. Because what gets measured gets managed. And I can manage it by measuring it. Um, but the, yeah, the, the controlling the controllables is a big one for me. And it only really struck me. I think I heard it well, maybe six or seven months ago. I think Trisha Lewis, Trisha's Transformation said it. And I was like, whoa, that's a good one. I like that. Um, but like, it's, it's simple and it, it just applies to so many people. I mean, there's no reason that you have to turn to the, like you said, the chicken fillet roll every single day, or you have to turn to a, a breakfast roll. You know, if you just plan the night before, make your overnight oats, bring your porridge pot with you, cook some eggs, bring some eggs to work with you, whatever it is. I mean, you can control that shit. So don't, don't, don't give me that whole, oh, I had no choice. No, that that's true, isn't it? And what what's been your big driving is it? What's been the what's been the engine for you to keep going and get better and better? I guess like what's the what your value is at? Discipline at the minute, and it's such a boring answer. I hate saying it, but that's exactly what it is at the minute. Um, for months, for for a long time, I thought that motivation was necessity to get things done. And don't get me wrong. Like, obviously, I was motivated at the start. The, the photograph motivated me. A comment made at work the week after about my weight motivated me. Wanting to get into a specific T-shirt motivated me. And that's still something I do to now. I, I have what I call accountabilities, where I have T-shirts or jumpers that I'm like, I, I like a lot. And I'll buy them just a little bit smaller, a little bit snug. And I'll use them rather than a scale, maybe to judge progress, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I, I like it because... I'm not a huge fan of the scale. It serves a purpose, but like I said earlier, it's, it literally only shows your relationship with gravity. It doesn't show a lot of things, and particularly for females, I know that their weight will fluctuate a great deal given you know certain aspects of the month. Yeah. And I don't think it's a very fair thing. Like I could have ate a lot of salt yesterday. I could have had a lot of water, and if I weighed myself once a week today, I, I could think that I put on a whole lot of weight, whereas I'm just holding a lot of water. Yes. Um, but for me, it really is just discipline. I'm a huge David Goggins fan. I'm a huge Jocko Willing fan. And they've both been Navy SEALs. And discipline is just the core of it. And like, I'm not I'm not an extreme person in any sense. But when I do things, I'm, I'm fucking balls in like I'm doing it. And for me at the minute, like I said earlier, that's where I want to go. This is where I am. I control what's in the middle. And my levels of discipline kind of control how they go or how long they take to get there. So yeah, for me, it's a minute. That's it is discipline. It's a boring answer. I'm sorry, but that's what it is. It's simple, isn't it? It's basics. I guess what what keeps you what when when do you find do you ever find yourself um, falling off track or do you ever find yourself like going back to old ways or are you pretty good? 
at the minute I'm good. At the minute I'm good. Like the fourth of July was the day I got back. Like I, re- and it sounds so fucking cheesy and cliche, but that's when I got back in the zone. Um, yeah. I, I like I said to you, I had surgery. So I got injured in November. So between November and December, I ran a half marathon, a thirty k, and a charity ten k within two weeks of each other. Jeez. And I ended up, I ended up hurting my. I'm looking at them now. I ended up hurting my right ankle. Um, I, I did damage to a tendon in the half marathon that I ended up doing the 10k, I think it was like three days after and I completely banjaxed it. And because I knew it was sore, I actually, uh, got wrapping on my left as well, just to keep it strong. And I ended up, uh, having an allergic reaction to the wrapping. So both my feet were completely banjaxed for like a month. It was so bad. It was like the length of my foot was a blister. So I couldn't really walk on it and the other foot hurt to walk on um so from december december last year was a a, a write-off in terms of exercise because i just couldn't physically couldn't and i had surgery the first week of january so that put me on the sidelines for about three months so in that three months i i went back to old habits a lot because like i said to you my movement was very 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 curtailed so i couldn't really do a lot and i was eating biscuits and watching soccer and playing fifa and sitting around drinking tea eating biscuits and you know comfortable you know, and comfort's nice, but it's dangerous. Um, but I don't know what it was. I weighed myself on the third of July. I saw that it was 120. I can't. I can't remember. Was it 122.3 or 123.2? But I saw it and I went, I don't like that. And it was the first time I'd weighed myself in months, and I just went, I don't like that. And it just like something sparked in my head again, where I was like. I'm completely in control of that fucking number. Yes. There's no reason that had to get to there. And then the next day I was back in the gym, back eating clean. Well, clean. You know what I mean? Back eating within my calorie budget. Yes. And I had probably the best um, 12 or 16 weeks of training I've ever had in that period of time. I fell back in love with training. I fell back in love with the discipline of it. I was pushing myself six days a week on a push-pull-legs routine, Um, you know, and I just loved it. I loved every minute of it, and thankfully that spark has carried over this time so that the lockdown's not affecting me too much because I'm more determined that when the gyms do open up again, it's just going to be a case of carrying on from where I was at, you know? Yeah, I think people this this time around are a lot more, um, they're not as... I think this lockdown is not as, again, it's confident, isn't it? Like the first lockdown, people are a bit wary. And I think the second lockdown, they're a bit more confident in what they can actually do. So I think it's not as bad as the first lockdown, to be fair. I think people this time are a bit more prepared for it, which is pretty good, to be fair, as, given the circumstances, isn't it? Yeah, in certain aspects, I think people are, are maybe more equipped to this one. I think first time around, people thought it was like the apocalypse. Like, yes. I mean, Aldi and Little were selling out of baked beans and waffles. <laughs> like it was crazy stuff um, and it was nearly like Black Friday every fucking day in there to get past in beans but I think this lockdown actually presents a whole other set of challenges for people here say because it's winter with yes. the fact that it's dark and that the weather's bad you know in the summertime when there wasn't the initial lockdown spring summer people were outside it was sunny you could sit in your back garden you could have barbecues you know people were kind of happy the whole family were around yes. generally under one house and you know people weren't strangling each other quite yet um but this time around it's dark it's dreary 
I think it presents, like I said, it presents a whole different set of challenges for people. Um, and they're not quite as easy to, I suppose, take on because it's more of a mental thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, the sun has an effect on how happy you are and stuff like that. But again, I think it's one of these things that if you want to find a way, you will find a way. I mean, there's no reason that like I, I've had people message me saying they can't, they can't go for walks. I'm like, why not? They're like, well, it's, it's dark and it's raining. I'm like, can you get a torch and a high-vis jacket? Yeah. And I'm like, you know, there's, that's, you know, like I said, you can, you can look for excuses or you, you can look for solutions. If I told, you know, if, if you told them same people there was a, a million euros down some back lane, they wouldn't be long, like, going looking yeah. for it. Yeah, they wouldn't think about the jacket then. Like, you know, and people laugh at me, but I do generally, genuinely have to think, if you're not an aspirin, like, you're not going to melt or dissolve if you get a little bit wet. Big <laughs> fucking deal. Do you know, like, a rain jacket will really solve a lot of your issues there. Sorry, get a torch, point. get some sort of high-vis jacket or a, a fucking woolly hat that has a torch on it and just... Just go, just do it for the sake of an hour. Come in and take a lovely shower and you'll feel better for it. It's just the values, isn't it? Again, it's, it's come, but it all comes back to like these conversations and like hearing people hearing like from, you know, a general person, like what they've gone through compared to seeing an Instagram person with the six pack in the sunshine by the beach, like, you know, and I think there's not enough of these like good stories that go around that people can actually hear. Yeah, I think, like I said, I think it's a lot of it is it's what you look at day in, day out. I think initially my my feed probably wasn't um, helping, probably wasn't helping what I was trying to achieve. I thought it might have. Uh, at some point, I thought that, you know, following all these bodybuilders, surely at some stage I want to see something that will make me go, well, that's, that's definitely helpful. But in hindsight, I think it might have been more detrimental than actually helpful because... I was looking at these people and they were saying how they were on these diets and they were saying that they were getting these results in six weeks. And I would look at myself and I, I couldn't do the chicken broccoli diets for long term and I couldn't get the results. And I'd kind of say, why, you know, what's wrong with me? What is it that's specifically wrong with me that I can't do this? Yes. Um, but when I removed that from my feed and I just had normal people, I mean, my feed is pretty much my closest circle. Um, I follow a lot of soccer pages um you know animals i have a lot of dogs on my timeline um you know but football makes me happy dogs make me happy my my closest circle make me pretty happy most of the time and um yeah i think a lot of it really is because i mean you you people spend a lot of time on instagram and they mm-hmm. spend a lot of time looking at these things and consciously or subconsciously you're absorbing these things and it's going to have some sort of effect on you whether it's now or later on when you're sitting on your own and you're thinking or in two weeks time but that shit sinks in. Might not hit you right now, but it'll hit eventually. It's funny how the the brain, like I've learned so much, but even me, but like the brain always goes to the most negative thing. And like, it's funny when you scroll through Instagram, like, you know, your, your brain doesn't really pick up the good news stories, but it pick up, the, it always pick up the bad news stories and the bad stuff. And that's the worst thing about social media is that, you know, you're picking up all this bad information and, as you say, like sticks to you. Yeah, I think I think it's human nature. There's something about bad news, and just as a people, we love it. Um, Especially the Irish. We 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 love talking about bad news. Jesus, <laughs> it's horrible what happened to such and such. But you seldom hear about the good things that happen. You know, 
No. Um, and I mean, it's it's hard to be positive all the time, but I, I suppose I try. Um, I think it, it's difficult to to keep people motivated or to keep people happy. But I mean, I seen something this morning. It was just a quote on Instagram, and I'm going to make a fucking balls of it now trying to recite it. But it was basically, "Be careful what you say because you don't know how long that could linger on somebody's mind." Yeah, it's and powerful. Like, it's so true. You you've no idea what the words you say could how that could impact somebody. You've no idea. Not a clue. Cause you've no idea what's going on in their heads. So just don't be a dick. Yeah, you know, well, I, I, better for him. I'm uh, my mentor, um, Paul Morty. It's the same fella Shane has there, but he's really big like on and every day every morning like having we have we have this book like and in the book it's like what we're like, you know, we write down what we're looking forward to our, our word of the day. But one thing he has us doing is that we like every day we have to make a positive impact on, on a random person. So it means like that when I go for, I, I go for a walk in the morning and then um, what I do every morning is I'll make sure like I'll go for the walk, I'll pat two or three dogs and I'll always say hello to a random person because as you were saying, like it's amazing how like random words can affect that person. Like just like that hello, that handshake, that, you know, if you're looking good, has a has a bigger impact than what we think it does. Yeah, you've no idea. That person could be so feeling so incredibly alone. You know, you've you've just no idea what's going through their head or what they've just been through. So a smile and a wave, or you know, even just a nod at the head, or how are you? Like that thing, it can go so far. You've no, you've just no idea how positively or negatively you could impact somebody based on the simple things you do. No, it's so true. Would you get much people message you now on a day-to-day basis from your journey? You get a few. Yeah, it ranges, you know. Um, I say like after, not, I hate saying after a good post, but after maybe like a, a deep or a, a post that I put quite a bit of thought into, you know, you get a lot of people message and they ask questions. I think people feel more inclined to speak to you when you've been a bit candid or you've been a bit, you know, you, you've been willing to shine a torch inside yourself. Um, you get a lot of questions about the diet and training and it's hard to, to, I suppose, recommend any, I hate doing, I genuinely do. I hate trying to help people when I don't really know, um, both from it. Like I'm not a trainer, so I don't really know it from that sense, but you've no idea what people do day to day, but you'll always get the, I want to lose 20 pounds. How do I do it? And yes. Like, I don't know, eat less calories and, and move a bit more. Like, and it's a horrible kind of blanket statement, but people sometimes aren't overly willing to give you any other information. They just horse this out at you where they, they want a result and they, they think you'll be able to help and, and try, but I almost always recommend them back to a trainer. Well, it's like um, if your dog was overweight, you know, what are you going to do? You're not going to, you're not going to say, Jesus, Rex, here's a fat loss pill. You're probably going to feed him less and walk him more. And as silly as it may sound, that's the basic science for like a lot of people is like just eat less and move more. Like that move more movement is like steps. It's like people I think people feel the need to be in the gym. And then when they feel the need to be in the gym, they make excuses that, oh, well, I can't do this and I'm not confident. Whereas if they just like walk more, control their food, that just has... Like I'm doing a challenge at the moment with um, a bunch of new guys from Ireland there, and it's just simple as like we're just looking at you know posting up in the group every day, being accountable, having less food, and just walking more, and it works. Like it's it's simple as that. I've heard that dog one before, and I loved it before, and I love it now. 
um, <laughs> but it's it's true. Like it's it's really basic, and I think a lot of people can kind of go, "Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, my dog did get fat that time, and I fed it a little bit less, and I walked a bit more, and she's a little bit skinnier." <laughs> um, but like, it's funny you say that about the group, like because like accountability, it, it really is. I can maybe a lot of people at the start of their journey aren't in a position to be personally accountable. So they're not in a position where maybe they have the self-discipline and personal responsibility to actually be accountable to themselves. So they need somebody like I needed Paul. I needed him for a couple of months um, to watch over me. Like I said to you earlier, kind of jokingly, like big brother is watching. Yes. Um, You know, and I was paying him for a service and I was going to, you know, that he was getting paid regardless of what I did. So it was up to me to be accountable to myself and to Paul and to actually you know, put the food into my fitness pal. I could eat a box of biscuits and not put it in my fitness pal, but he'd know based on my results. Yeah. And I remember having to beg Paul to take me. So it was roughly this time last year and I was due to finish with Paul on the 7th of December after three months. And he goes, yeah, I think you're you're ready to, to fly the nest, you know. And I was like, oh, can we hang on till after Christmas? Can we go to the 7th of January? And he was like, you don't need me. I was like, just for one month, please. I just needed that accountability over the Christmas period, which, like, you know, I have my own varying thoughts now on Christmas and stuff like that. But I, I personally just needed that because I would have been liable to just, you know, go absolutely fucking mental on the heroes and the celebrations. Yes. And it all around me for three weeks. But like I said, I, I have different thoughts on Christmas now. I genuinely, it's my favorite time of year. I know it's it's cliche, but I just love Christmas. I absolutely love it. And you know, you never know what your Christmas table is going to look like next year. Yeah, so, that's powerful you know, words. Enjoy right it. There. Enjoy it whilst you're there. Mm-hmm. If that means having fucking two chicken or two turkey and ham sandwiches with uh, a grandfather or a grandmother as you sit around and talk shite, eating biscuits or, yeah. you know, just, just do it. I mean, Christmas is, I mean, you're talking really Christmas week is a week. So you're talking a couple of days in that week, you might have three or four days where you indulge and go over your calories. There's 365 days in a year. Yeah. I mean, you're concentrating on a very, very, very small window where there's this huge massive amount of days that apparently it's okay to go over your calories or, you know, there's no real panic involved with those days. No. Um, so, I mean, for me, Christmas, I, I, I don't overthink it. I just enjoy it whilst it's there. There's there's little kids and there's excitement and there's, you know, the older generation around, thankfully, and I'm just gonna enjoy it whilst it's there. And if that means having, like I said, the sandwiches and the, the chocolates and the cakes, I'll do it. But like I said, it's only three or four days. You know, if you don't put on a few kg over Christmas, can you really call it Christmas? Exactly. But um, if you were if you were to like if you were to have three tips, I guess for just anyone that could listen to this or could help him, what would your like three tips? What you've gone through, what's your Steve's biggest tips like from your journey to where you are now that could help them? Mm-hmm. I always hate doing these because like inevitably <laughs> in like two hours time I'm gonna go fuck. Why didn't I say that? <laughs> um, but I suppose the first one it's it's simple and it sounds a bit stupid, but just get started. Like uh, like I was saying to you earlier. You, you'll never get better at something if you don't start. You know, so your eating won't get better if you don't start. Your writing won't get better if you don't start. Your podcasting, your anything, your journaling, nothing's going to get better if you don't start. Now, starting could be something very different for you and me. Like starting for you might just be going for a walk in the evenings or going for a walk during your lunch break. 
Um, you know, so just get started. If like for me, it meant contacting Paul and starting with the trainer. It could just be making small positive changes, like just going for the walk during your lunch break instead of sitting around eating biscuits in the canteen. Um, so just get started. Um, try and kill dead time has been a big one for me. Um, so audio books, I'm, I'm, I can read perfectly well, but I bore quite a bit when I'm reading. Mm. And I think I, I take in information quite well uh, hourly. So like audio books isn't really a big issue for me. So audiobooks, podcasts, like the amount I've learned from, let's say, podcasts are free. I know I, I pay for the audiobooks, but it feels like a steal with the, the subscription that I have for the amount I get out of it. Um, so try and kill dead time as much as you can, whether it's reading or audiobooks or podcasts, but just make sure that the noise you're putting in your ears is, is from, I suppose, good sources, that yeah. the circle of people you trust to get that information from is tight. Yeah. And I suppose well-informed. You know, like for me, it's only four or five people. Um, funnily, I've not met one or two of them, but they're still in that circle of trust where I believe the information they're giving me because I don't think they're trying to say sell out or, you know, they're not trying to push certain products for their own benefit. They're just trying to spread a bit of common sense, like, like, a, like a James Smith or Brian Keane. They're just trying to make, I suppose, the world a little bit better. Yes. Um, and the third one, Shit, I don't know. Um, learn not to be totally and utterly um, ruled by motivation. Learn yeah. that if you want to get somewhere, it's in your own control. And that sometimes motivation, whilst it's great, it'll get the car rolling. But discipline, I suppose, might be. It's like when you try to you know, push start a car. Motivation gets the initial wheels rolling, but then the engine kicks in and the discipline is there. Um just learn that you know you have to have something to aim at and have something good something tangible and sometimes they have to be small wins because like i was in a position of relative desperation i had taken a lot of losses i felt like i'd taken a lot of losses whether they were t-shirts that no longer fit or jeans that ripped or pants that ripped or whatever it was sometimes you have to just have small wins because you haven't had a win in ages so have small goals, but make them lead towards a bigger goal. Good words there, Steve and Ferris. Powerful words. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess before I go, like if, if anyone wanted to um, check out you and your story, how can they find you? Like what's your Instagram name? Not to want people to come take a view, but to be fair, you have some pretty, like that's how I came across um, you. It's just you're, the stuff you put up on, on, on your Instagram is it's um, some inspiring stuff to be fair so I guess how could people find you on Instagram if they wanted to come have a snoop there's like little sprinkles of like inspiration and good stuff in amongst all the rambling um, I'm on yeah Instagram is pretty much all I do I, I've, I think I've grown out of Facebook I, I only said it yesterday to somebody they said oh have you seen such and such on Facebook I'm like I just don't do Facebook anymore <laughs> I think I've just grown out it was cool when I was like 14 um yeah i'm on instagram it's steve's weight loss with the underscores in between the words um yeah i'm there and every now and again i pop up and i talk shit <laughs> <laughs> well it's definitely good because it um it's helped me and it's helped on my clients and it's been a pleasure to have you on all the same it's been a great conversation i look forward to like listening back and some couple of good nuggets there um i like the one about the i like the one about the hammer and the tools that's quite a good one to be fair 
I just love nuggets. I love nuggets. <laughs> I do. I, I generally prefer the chicken variety, but. <laughs> but no, it's been a pleasure, Stephen. Thanks for that again. Thank you so much, and thanks for having me. No bother.